Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 138 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I am joined by an entomologist who is here to introduce you to the gentle giants of the insect world, phasmids, which you may know as stick bugs, leaf insects. They go by many names. We discuss learning to love bugs, what makes the abundantly diverse stick bug family so weird and wonderful, and even why you might want to consider incorporating bugs into your own culinary repertoire. Just the Zoo of Us presents Phasmids with Shakira Magit. This is Ellen Weatherford. I'm here with your favorite animal review podcast, Just the Zoo of Us. I'm here with a brand new friend today. We're talking to Shakira Magit. Say hi, Shakira. Hi. It's so nice to virtually meet you because I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and I'm always so overjoyed by your love for bugs. <laughs> and today we're talking about a really, really cool bug. We're talking about phasmids, which folks listening probably know as stick bugs or possibly walking sticks, I think they're also called. Yes, yes. Leaf insects, walking sticks, all of those are common names. Well, when I hear like leaf bug or leaf insect, I think of like Katie Dids. That's different, right? Katie Dids are... Yes, they're in a different order. They're in orthoptera. Oh, okay. <laughs> Before we get too far into our stick bugs today, let's talk about Kara a little bit. Can you let our friends at home listening know, like, what got you into bugs? Like, how did you start really loving bugs? Is this like a childhood always loved bugs thing? Or was this like a learned appreciation? So this was not a childhood love of bugs. Um, actually, <laughs> I actually did not get into bugs until my senior year of undergrad. And I took an entomology course, Dr. Kenneth Ross. His love of bugs made me love bugs. <laughs> it is contagious. <laughs> yes. But before that, I was the type of kid that I was like, ew, bugs, let me get raid. Relatable. I think probably a lot of people listening are there. And I've been there, you know, like that has been my life. And it definitely for me too was the sort of thing that through learning about bugs, I, I kind of was able to dismantle the fear of bugs. Was that kind of like how it was for you? Like you kind of like learn more about them and you're like, they're not that scary. <laughs> yes. Um, it really wasn't until that class because we had to make a collection. So we had to go out and actually catch bugs. And that was just a moment I were like, they are so awesome. They're not scary. They're, you know, they're not gross. They're amazing. But it was definitely learned because before then. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I mean, like, especially when you don't have a chance to really like learn about them. So the only context you ever know about them in is like either they're pests or they're something that's going to sting or bite you. Yes. And that that's how I grew up. Like my parents... It's always, no, don't touch that. It's a bug. It's nasty. They're gross, you know. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until very late in life that I gained an appreciation for insects. 
Listen, we are all on a journey to learn how to love our bug friends a little bit better. And I will I will bring up real quick that through following you on Twitter, I have seen your posts about your daughter, Nova, who does not seem to share that fear of bugs. <laughs> no, not at all. I made a conscious effort to not steer her away from bugs. So if she was interested, if it was something that she could pick up, I'm like, go for it. Um, I don't want you to be scared of bugs. You don't have to love bugs like me and you don't have to study bugs, but I don't want you to fear them. And so she just goes for it and I let her and she loves it. And she calls my little, she calls my phasmids cutie pies. She's right. <laughs> She's absolutely right. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like these phasmids, these stick bugs, are a really good intro to bugs. Like if somebody is afraid of bugs, this is a great bug to like get you through the door, like start bringing you over to Team Bug. Yes, I think they're like the gateway bug as far as just getting people interested. They're adorable. They're harmless. They're not fast moving, so they're really slow. And so they're just the perfect bug. Now, my introduction to an actual first, well, it's an arthropod. It's not an insect, but it was a tarantula. Oh, yeah. Those, <laughs> those are hit or miss. <laughs> For people who are like already inclined to being into bugs, a tarantula is like a great, oh, let's get into handling them. If you're not already into bugs, a tarantula might be a big ask. <laughs> Yes. And it was because I was actually doing one of my first outreach events and no one else wanted to touch the tarantula. And so like my professor at the time, she's like, here, Shakira, hold this. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> but the tarantula, her name was Rosie, the first one I ever held. I actually have her. <gasps> No, like she's yes. she's like there in the room with you. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's in her cage. That is my tarantula now. <laughs> oh, a celebrity moment. <laughs> I, that's so funny because before I hit record while we were chit chatting, you just kind of casually held up your hand, and there was a stick bug on your hand, just chilling there, <laughs> which yes. I think speaks to how calm and chill these bugs are. Mm -hmm. Let's see. There she is. Oh my goodness. So we're not recording video, but I will describe what I'm looking at for people that are listening. This is an absolutely beautiful bug that looks almost like a praying mantis, like shaped kind of like a praying mantis, but also just looks exactly like a bright green leaf. What a lovely little bug. <laughs> yes. So these are Malaysian jungle nymphs, and they're just lovely and they're so calm and beautiful and they get really bigger she's actually still a juvenile oh so how big is she gonna get a little over six inches that's really big do all phasmids get that big no no not all phasmids get that big and depending on which species we're talking about some get bigger than others do you have a favorite species of phasmid? It's a loaded question, but, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> That's an unfair question because I have so many different species. So I have about five different species and I can't pick a favorite. Like, It's like asking you to pick your favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like each one has their very own unique and beautiful qualities. And so it's so hard to pick. 
Well, let's talk about those unique and beautiful qualities. If this is your first time ever listening to this particular podcast, our whole fun thing that we do is we review animals by rating them out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. So starting with effectiveness, effectiveness for us means like physical adaptations, tools that the animal has built into their body that let them do a good job of the things that they're trying to do. What would you give your phasmid babies out of 10 for effectiveness? Definitely a 10. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely fair. I should ask, what are phasmids doing? Are they predators? Like, do they eat bugs? Like, what do they, what do they do? No. So phasmids are actually herbivores. So they only eat plants. Yes. Huh. I bet that looks kind of funky because it kind of looks like a leaf eating another leaf. (laughs) Well, that is why they're so effective because their camouflage is amazing. And most predators and even people cannot point them out. I actually have a very hard time even just looking at their cages, finding them sometimes. Part of me thinks being slow I'm inclined to think that being slow would not be helpful because if you're being chased by a predator, you can't get away. But with a lot of animals, moving slowly helps. Like it helps you not break your camouflage, basically. Is that kind of what's going on with phasmids? Yes, that's exactly what's going on with phasmids. And an interesting thing is phasmids will also walk like in a swaying fashion. So they'll walk back and forth. And it mimics leaves blowing in in the wind. Oh, my gosh. So that's why they kind of have a little bit of swagger to them when they walk? Yes. Yes, exactly. I thought they were just milking it. (laughs) I thought they were just really feeling themselves. (laughs) I I, I think that has to do with it as well. Like, they know. They're like, yeah, we know we're hot. It's cool. (laughs) Exactly. A little bit of a catwalk motion, kind of like, oh, yeah. Like, you could lay a little beat down underneath it. (laughs) Exactly. Have you seen the meme, Get Stick Bugged? No. (laughs) This was a meme. I have to see that. (laughs) This was a meme that was going around for a while, maybe like a year or so ago, where it was kind of like a Rickroll where like instead of people tricking you into accidentally watching Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley, they would trick you into watching this video of a stick bug wiggling around and it would just say oh, get stick bugged so- lol. <laughs> like that was it. Oh my gosh, I have to find that now cuz that's awesome. And I have to probably get that started again. (laughs) (laughs) It was an incredibly wholesome little meme that was going around for a while because it was just, it brought me so much joy every time it happened. Whereas like with a Rickroll, you're watching something and then all of a sudden there's Rick Astley and you feel betrayed and hurt. (laughs) 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 When you get stick bugged, you're like, oh yeah, nice. That sounds amazing. I really have to do that. <laughs> but in the in the video, the stick bug is doing this. It's going to be difficult for me to describe, but you can watch me embarrass myself by imitating it. It's doing this entire <laughs> lateral side to side motion, yes. like a dance. Yes, and then that's how a lot of them walk. I have some other leaf bugs and they do that and it's so cute and it's just this back and forth and their abdomen it's shaped just like a leaf and actually when they get older and they develop more it looks like they've been eaten 
by like maybe caterpillars. So no. that's their camouflage. So it, they literally look like a eaten leaf. What? Yes. They're amazing and beautiful. Is it like holes in their body or is it like spots? It's not spots. So it'll be like on the edge. So it's fully formed, but it just looks like a caterpillar has been taking off the, yeah. Like when you rip a piece of paper out of a spiral bound notebook and it has those little like (laughs) perforations on the side of the page. Yes. That's so funny that they do that. What an extreme little adaptation because it's like, it's one thing to look like a leaf, but then to also look like a leaf that has like little imperfections and flaws, like to mimic the little, like the damage that a a leaf would naturally take. I mean, it's amazing. And that's why I love them so much. The camouflage alone is just amazing. But not all of them have that perfect camouflage. Oh, really? Yeah. So I also have another species and they are metallic insects and they're from Madagascar. The females are really long and brown, but their wings are red and the males are actually really bright blue. So they don't camouflage it. They don't camouflage into anything. You see (laughs) something bright blue in a leaf. It's like, what is that? They say, I want you to see me. (laughs) Yes. Why why is camouflage not important to them? So it's not that it's not important, but it's been theorized that attracting a female outweighs the risk of survival. And so that's the best way for them to do it, to be really bright and flashy. Mm, they did a cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's interesting because... That is something to consider. Like, are you so well camouflaged that you're not going to be able to find a mate? (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. So, like, are the females looking for that? Like, they're looking for that, like, bright blue? Yes, they are definitely scoping that out. And like I said, if you think about it, if it's in Madagascar and you see something really bright blue, Mm -hmm. you kind of know what it is. Yeah, so the female's like, well, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would imply to me that they would be good at seeing color. Are phasmids typically good at seeing and perceiving their surroundings? I know for a lot of bugs, like, it's they, they maybe communicate with scent or with, like, they just feel vibrations. Like, are they very good at sensing their surroundings? So that's actually a really good question. It depends on what species or even family or insect that we're talking about. So them being able to perceive color varies. I would imagine probably the ones that are camouflaged super well, maybe have some different way of communicating with each other where they're like, yeah, maybe you're not going to be able to see me anyway. You mentioned that there's like a lot of diversity among phasmids and that like a lot of them look really different from each other. I will say I the only time I have ever met a phasmid in person, like up close and personal, was at the Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. And we just happened to be there on a day that they had this some type of phasmid. It looked brown and leafy. I wish I could remember what species they said it was, but I do not remember. I have a photo. There's a photo of me holding it because I was so blown away that, first of all, that I was even holding a bug because 
like you said, it was so slow and gentle and chill that I was like, okay, I think I could manage this. And it, it looked very different from the one that you just held up for me on the camera a moment ago. So like, can you think of any like good examples of like really super different looking phasmids that are doing something really crazy with their body? Yes. So um, the Peruvian insects, I actually have some of those, but they're still babies as well. Um, they are black Ooh. with red lips and yellow eyes. What? <laughs> <laughs> And so they're they're actually called black beauties or like velvet insects because they also have this velvety black color and look to them. They're pretty amazing. Um, and they're from Peru. I don't know exactly why they're black. Some just don't want to blend in. <laughs> I did a little bit of Googling and the picture that came up. <laughs> I think you're laughing because you know what I'm about to say. But it's a picture of this. It says Perufasma Schulte. Schulte. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this thing has the goofiest looking wings I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> These yes. tiny, tiny, itty bitty little wings that are just like round almost and like barely sticking out from the, but, but it has these kind of like red bits underneath its wings. So it brings a lot of attention to how goofy looking these wings are. <laughs> yes. they, surely they can't fly with these things, right? No. And that's another interesting thing. Most stick bugs do not fly but that's only in the case of usually the female some of the male walking sticks can fly oh boy <laughs> so it depends on what we're like I said, it just depends on what we're talking about right but some of them do fly interesting has <laughs> i would imagine that would probably be a little bit chaotic if you think that you're just kind of like looking at maybe a bush or a tree and then all of a sudden one of the leaves just flies at your face <laughs> Yes, that would be kind of funny. <laughs> but the females, they're usually too heavy to fly. So they have these little tiny wings that don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're decorative. Yeah. It's a purely ornamental little wing that you carry as like an accessory. It's like a clutch purse or something like that. You just yeah. have your little wing. I mean, and if you look if you look at some of them, the wing coloration is amazing. So it's like, why get rid of it? Show it off. <laughs> yeah, like if you've got it there, you might as well make it look cute. Exactly. <laughs> do they all have those tiny little nub wings or do they have like big cool wings? Like I'm thinking of like a like a mantis. I'm going to probably keep bringing up mantises. <laughs> well, that's because most people think that walking sticks or phasmids are mantises, but they're not. Um, the wing size, so some of them do get, get larger wings, but like I said, with the females, they usually are non-functional. Is that because like the males are looking for the mates? I've heard of this before where like a, an insect will have like the male is the one that flies and the female is one that's like, oh, I'm going to chill out on the ground. Yes, that's because the males go searching to get the female. I want to say it was like velvet ants that I first heard of that with where like the males are the ones that fly. It was funny because with the velvet ants, it was like the males could fly but not sting and the females could sting but not fly. <laughs> yes. You know, that, and that's funny because... People don't realize that actually velvet ants are wasp. Mm -hmm. 
So they always assume that they're like an ant ant. And I'm like, no, they're a wasp and they do sting. Be careful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. That's one you're going to want to appreciate from a distance. This one you're not going to want to be holding on your hand. <laughs> exactly. No. The next category that we rate our animals on is ingenuity. These are behaviors. So like things the animal is actually doing with their body to maybe solve a problem that they face or compete with other animals. What would you give phasmids out of 10 for ingenuity? Of course, another 10. There we go. Bringing it home. (laughs) Because we already talked about one behavior and that's the swaying. Yes, that is very cool. Yes, but also the females, their eggs actually look like seeds. And so when they drop their eggs or they lay their eggs, ants will pick this up (gasps) and take it into their nest. No. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Espionage. Is it that the ants just don't know that they're eggs? So they have what is called like a capula. So I'll just say like a little nub or knob on the egg that provides fat and protein for the ant, just like plant seeds. And so they think that's what it is and they take it down and they only eat that cap. And then the, yes, and then the rest of the egg just stays in the nest until it's ready to come out. What happens when the phasmid hatches? Is this sort of, it's like a Trojan horse. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean, they come out and then they'll come up and go up a tree. Okay, so they don't like eat the ants then. It's just like, they're like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you for incubating me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a good thing because they're just plant eaters. So they're not going to eat the ants. Oh, that's true. So it's not like a. we just talked about cuckoo wasps, which will like <laughs> lay their eggs in like an enemy nest. And then when it hatches, it eats everything that's in there. So like, <laughs> I was worried that this was going to be that sort of situation. No. This is a much more no. peaceful variant of this strategy. <laughs> Yes. And that's another reason why I do like uh, Fastnets. I'm like, they're just sweet. (laughs) They are. They're wholesome. (laughs) Yes. They're just so sweet and cute. And I'm like, I wish I could cuddle with you guys. (laughs) Oh, I know. But they're too little. (laughs) Is this like a symbiotic relationship with the ants? Like, does it benefit them both? Yes. Yeah. So the ant, like I said, that little knob or top contains proteins or fats that the ant will eat. So the ant gets a meal and the phasmid gets a babysitter. <laughs> yes. I guess it's more like a like a nursery maybe, like an incubator. Nursery, yeah. Either way it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, everybody's benefiting. See <laughs> The phasmid, this is going to be such a great, like, because it's going to come out right after the cuckoo wasp episode. So it's going to be such a good, like, reverse side of, like, see, you can do this without (laughs) annihilating your hosts. (laughs) So in your time, like, working with and caring for your phasmids, has one ever done anything that was, like, really struck you as an unusual thing that they did that you were like, wow, I can't believe you did that? Yes, two things. Um, So some of them have little spikes on their back legs. And so if you go to pick them up and they don't want to be picked up, they'll kind of like clamp down and stick you. Um, It doesn't hurt, but it is a surprise if you're not expecting it. 
And then there are some, especially like the Peruvians, they could spray like a mild acid <gasps> at you if they don't want you to touch them. That is incentive to leave them alone. <laughs> yes. This one is giving me all sorts of don't touch vibes. Like, definitely want to keep your distance from this one. Yes. For the most part, it, it's not bad. It's just more of a surprise and you get used to it have you been sprayed a lot <laughs> yes <laughs> are phasmids typically like or at least with the ones that you have worked with and observed are they like cool with each other or do they want to maintain their own space all the phasmids that i've worked with they all stay in the same cage oh they're cool with each other yes so they're cool with each other and, and being in a community within captivity mm-hmm do they have any way of communicating with each other or are they just kind of like, all right, you're over there. I'm over here. We don't need to worry about each other. Or do they have any way of like expressing things to each other? So some of them will rustle their wings. So it actually sounds like scraping others. No, I haven't really noticed any certain things that they would do. They kind of just walk around each other. <laughs> Let me just scoot right by you. <laughs> yeah. Let me just walk over you sometimes or you know, <laughs> let me smush your head, but they don't, really, they don't do anything else. That's a really funny mental image to me of them just like, well, if it looks so much like a stick or like a leaf, do you think maybe it's like they don't know that that's another bug and they just like climb right over it like, oh, just another leaf. So and it's funny that you mentioned that because sometimes like I'll hear really weird noises and so I'll look in there and there's one crawling on another and then they'll move. And that one is like, oh, okay, no, you're not something to crawl over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry there. <laughs> like, sorry, didn't see you there. <laughs> I guess that's one of the pitfalls of being so well camouflaged. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, we are going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of the other shows in the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we are going to talk phasmid aesthetics and eating bugs so stay tuned hi i'm biz host of one bad mother whether you're a parent or just know kids exist in the world join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent i signed my stepson up for a camp that is actually in another state I feel really stupid, and I don't think we're going to get the money back. And then he found out that the car manual is a book about cars, so now he's reading our car manual. We <laughs> So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org, and yes, there will be swears. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period 
Let's talk aesthetics for phasmids. Out of 10, how nice would you say these phasmids are to look at? Of course it's it. These are beautiful creatures. They're amazing. And there's so many different types, but they're all beautiful and amazing to look at. Do you have one that you find particularly beautiful? I do. And it's the leaf insect. It's a Malaysian giant leaf insect. They just look so remarkably like a leaf that they're amazing. I was Googling it while you were saying that, and you are right. I think if I were (laughs) just like out in the woods or something like that, I could walk right by one of these and never notice it. You wouldn't, not at all. (laughs) And I actually have some, um, but like I said, mine are tiny, tiny babies, but they're so cute even now. With these, whether they're meant to look like sticks or twigs or they're meant to look like leaves, are the bugs mimicking the like plant life that lives around them? Like, Do they look more like the species that live in their areas? Yes. So they're mimicking whatever region they're native to. So if you were to look up, you can see that like Australian spinies look nothing like leaves. They actually curl their abdomen or the tail to look like a scorpion sometimes. <gasps> this is the one. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's <laughs> so I was, I looked it up when you said that this is the one that they had at the museum okay. that yes. I held. And yes, it's so funny that you say that they curl their tail to look like a scorpion because when they were holding it, it had its tail curled up and I, they were like, Oh, do you want to hold it? And I was like, absolutely not. That's a scorpion. And they were like, it's not a scorpion. <laughs> Yeah. But it worked on me. (laughs) Yes. And it does work. And that's why they're so like amazing. But as you could tell, they're brown. They don't look like a leaf to me. Are there other ones that like mimic an animal rather than a plant? Because this looks exactly like a scorpion to me. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I know I've definitely seen it in caterpillars. Like, have you ever seen the caterpillar that mimics a snake? Yes. The one, it's like bright green. It has these big eye spots that make it look like a snake. And then there's all sorts of weird stuff going on with like ants and spiders that are constantly, they cannot stay in their own business. They always have to be just reaching over into their buddies like, "Mm, hey, I think I'm going to look like you now. Yeah. I mean, that's the amazing thing about insects in general is just their ability to mimic other things, their coloration, their camouflage. I mean, it's amazing all around. I know that you, you have a shirt on, in fact, nobody else can see this, but you have a shirt on that says eating insects. Yes. And I know this is something that you are involved with. It's like promoting entomophagy. Yes. Entomophagy. Eating insects. Can you eat a stick bug? You can. Now, I personally have not. I've only had uh, tarantulas, ants, crickets, grubs. Um, I don't know how I would feel about actually eating a stick insect because I care for them so much. But you can. Mm -hmm. They, They do have a lot of protein similar to other insects. Yeah, I would like to talk about entomophagy a little bit since I've got you here. And this is something that like, I haven't really gotten to talk to anybody about on this show yet. And so I would love to get into it a little bit because 
I don't know about everybody listening, but where I come from, we typically don't encourage eating insects, which seems arbitrary to me because we do eat things like shrimp and lobsters and things like that are not that far removed from bugs. So how did you get into like eating insects? Like what is the appeal to eating insects for you? So I actually got into entomophagy through my major professor. Her name was Dr. Marion Shockley at the University of Georgia. And so she would put together these outreach events where we'll have like cricket tacos and mealworm tacos, like all these things. And so that's how I actually got into entomophagy. How would you describe the way that they taste? It depends on what insect you're eating. So ants have more of a citrusy taste to me. Mm. Crickets and mealworms kind of remind me of like, eating the whole sunflower seed, including the shell. Okay. Maybe like a little bit of a savory taste. Yes. I guess my assumption is that since insects are like, you know, all belonging to that arthropod family that they share with like shrimp and crabs and crabs, lobsters. Yeah. I would imagine that they would share that sort of flavor profile. Do they taste kind of seafoody? No, I I honestly don't know how to describe it. I wouldn't say seafoody, but can be very similar because they they do share that same exoskeleton and everything. So very similar, but the taste doesn't taste like seafood, but it does. I would guess that it probably like absorbs the flavors you cook it in, right? Like if you cook it in like a sauce or a seasoning. Yes, most definitely. It's one of those things that, I mean, you could put any type of flavoring on. And for the most part, that's what it will take on and taste like. And some of them, to me, really don't have much of a flavor. So like if you're just eating like a roasted cricket... To me, it does, like I said, doesn't have a strong flavor profile. That's kind of comforting to know if somebody is like maybe a little too hesitant to try like eating an insect because they're worried it's going to taste bad. Because I've I've definitely thought about it, but I haven't committed yet. We have a friend gifted us a lollipop that has a scorpion in the middle of it. Have you ever seen these? <laughs> yes. Have you had one? I actually have. But what I would suggest for people who do want to try insects, there are plenty of products out there. And there's some that even ground up that bug so that you don't have to like eat the whole bug. So they have chirps, chips, which are cricket chips. And they have like barbecue flavor and sriracha flavor and (laughs) cheddar flavored cricket chips. You also have EXO and they have protein bars made of cricket powder and some amazing flavors like chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh, now you (laughs) got my attention. You got me in now. (laughs) Yes. It's so good. They also have a peanut butter one. They have so many different flavors and, Mm. and it's amazing. So if you don't want to actually just eat the whole bug, there are plenty of products that are out there. That's a good idea because I do think that just like crunching right into the body of a like a cricket or something would be a little bit of a barrier for me. (laughs) 
It is for most people. And, and that's why there's uh, this push in the insect agriculture industry to really get over the perception of eating bugs as like a gimmick or a dare. Um, we really do want to incorporate this source of protein into just everyday life. Nova has, of course, tried insects. I have some cricket powder that I make cookies with. Is it like a flour? Yes. So you can purchase cricket flour and you can bake all types of things with them. I would definitely, I think, be willing to try that. It can't be that big a deal because in the food that we typically eat, you're allowed to have a certain amount of like bug (laughs) material in your food and it's not that big a deal. So it's kind of like you've probably been eating bugs this whole time and just didn't really notice. Everyone has eaten bugs Um, just because the nature of insects You know, they kind of know that you can't completely get rid of pest insects. Um, so they, they do. The USDA allows a certain amount of bugs in products. So like, you just don't need to say anything about the bugs you're eating. (laughs) Isn't it, is it figs that are like, if you've eaten a fig, you've eaten a wasp? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent (laughs) true. That's something weird with like the like a species of wasp that like reproduces by fig. Yes. Yes, so they end up laying their eggs in there in the figs. Mmm. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Which I'll say figs are pretty good. You know, we eat like fig newtons. You've probably had a fig. You've had a fig, you've had a wasp, <laughs> but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> I hope that we've inspired some people to give it a shot. I'm kind of thinking of grabbing some cricket flour and trying to bake something with it. That seems very interesting. I think you should. I think everyone should try one of those products. I think the cricket flour is Entomo Farm. So if you just Google them, they'll pull up. And also just a shout out to um, his name's Joseph Yoon um, from Brooklyn Bugs. And he is a insect chef. So he cooks all these amazing dishes with insects. Like, I think I've seen his videos that you're talking about. Like, he makes, like, videos where he's cooking up, like, gourmet, beautiful meals. Yes. I actually did a a Twitter thing with him uh, for the entomology week. And we made cricket gouda mac and cheese together, which was so good. That does sound really good, actually. I think I would try that. (laughs) And like you said, you know, like making it not feel like, oh, what a, you know, silly, goofy gimmick we're doing, but like actually giving it a a try with the intention of like, maybe this is something that you could like incorporate into your diet, you know, like it's just good, good protein. Yeah. And that's all. It's just really good, high quality protein. So I, I think if anyone wants to try, they should look into it. Absolutely. Since you were talking about like insect agriculture, I wanted to, before we wrap up for today, talk about the kind of like work and research that you're doing in agriculture. Yeah. So not only do I like to eat bugs and I want to get other people eating bugs, um, I want to um, see how black soldier flies in particular can be used as a protein supplement for cattle consuming low quality forage. What does low quality forage mean? So it means that this forage has a crude protein level that's below like 7% 
So it makes it not of a good high quality protein source. Sure. So it's not very good for the cow. So the idea is that like these flies, these soldier flies could be better for the cow to eat. So really it's looking at, so protein supplementation is used a lot when the quality of the forage is low. And so I'm looking at the black soldier fly as well as frass. Frass is insect poop. Oh, what a fancy word for that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's also kind of high in protein as well. So I'm looking at these type of supplementation to increase like forage intake and utilization. So not necessarily as a complete feed, but just something to be added to help increase their intake and digestion. Sure. Is this like cattle that are used for meat? Yeah. So I'm specifically looking at beef steers. So I'm not doing anything with dairy cows. That's very interesting. You know, like, I I think there is a lot more that we could do to like, encourage like, you know, hey, we're we got so many bugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe let's not be so icked out by the thought of eating them. It's there. It's protein. It's not, it's not terribly different from the things that we eat every day already. Yeah, no, it's not. And I think one of my big ideas is that it might be a little bit of a hurdle to get everyone obviously on board with eating insects, Mm -hmm. but maybe we can introduce insects indirectly. So that means to feed them to our livestock because poultry for one, actually are are natural insectivores. Um, So they consume bugs, even fish as well. Um, So this is part of their actual natural diet. And so now I'm looking at other livestock or looking into cattle, seeing how that works. I think the idea of feeding bugs to livestock is still very new, but I do want to have that research to say, hey, you know, hey, it might be a weird idea, but look at the data and it shows that this is really useful and can really help cattle utilize low quality forage. Hey, science is weird ideas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that's all it is, is weird ideas and seeing which weird ideas are also good. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that's why I love science. It's just like, yeah, I'm weird, but it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, (laughs) listen, sometimes the weird stuff is gold. So like, you know, give it a shot. Don't be weirded out by it. It's okay. Expand your mind. (laughs) Yes, of course. As we're wrapping up for today, I would love it if you could let our friends listening know, where can people follow you? Like on social media, keep up with what you're working on? Like, where would you like to be found? Um, So I am both on Instagram and Twitter under Ag Into Girl. So that's A-G- E-N-T-O-G-I-R-L. I'm more active on Twitter than Instagram, but those are the places you can definitely find me. I just recently posted, because I'm also looking at the rumen microbiome, and so I did a little um, DNA extraction and PCR and gel to kind of confirm some things, um, and I posted that. I was like, this is awesome. 
<laughs> so you gotta to so to keep up with the science and also i gotta say fill your news feed with a steady stream of like joyful bug loving content yes. <laughs> highly recommend because i feel like every time like you're always posting it's either like some absolute bliss over like look at this beautiful like whether it's a phasmid or one of your other beautiful bugs and also your little girl who's super into bugs and that brings me a lot of joy like it makes me really happy to see especially a little girl to be encouraged to love bugs and love nature and be really hands-on and not just like not be afraid of bugs but to be actively interested in them and like positive towards them just brings me so much joy every day (laughs) i'm so i'm glad because that that was my goal i just want to be able to expose her to all I can. I mean, that's even meaning like, we'll go out and dig in the dirt. Like if you want to get dirty, (laughs) let's get dirty. Let's explore the world around us. And so yeah, I love to just post things that are informative and fun. And just share my love of both animal science and entomology. Well, it has worked on me because I have fallen in love with phasmids. <laughs> yes. I do love their, just their calm energy, you know? I feel like it's reflected in you. I feel like you have a very similar kind of like cool, chill vibe. Like, like whether it has uh, been the phasmids rubbing off on you or the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have rubbed off on me because I'm like, I could just be chill. (laughs) (laughs) Delightful. Everybody go follow Kara on Twitter and Instagram and fill your life with beautiful bugs. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. And thank you so much for being here with us today. It has been an absolute delight. Yes. Thank you for having me. I I love this. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, We will catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening, friends. I hope that you have enjoyed our time together learning about and loving our leafy, leggy, phasmid friends. If you liked what you heard today, it would mean a lot to us if you left us a good review. I hope we have earned all five stars. As we announced during last week's episode, if this podcast has made an impact on you or your life, we want to hear from you. Send in your story or just tell us what the show means to you by emailing memberstories at MaximumFun.org or leave a voice message at 323-601-8719. We are working on some special episodes coming up soon and you just might hear your message shared on the podcast. In the meantime, you can connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or send us an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear about. We'd like to say thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other wonderful shows like the ones that you have heard promos for here today. You can check them out and learn more about the network over at MaximumFun.org. And while you're there, consider signing up for membership to keep us going along with the rest of the shows on our network. Finally, we'd like to thank Louis Zong for our incredible theme music. That is all for today, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.